Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forkstown Podcast. Your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark and with me as always, the guy who's going to become a future EW Eagles fan, Mr. Bo Chisholm. Bo, how are you doing today? Um, I'll forgive the intro. I'm doing very well. Um, always go Vandals. No, no EWU Redfield. I'm, you know me, I'm not a fan of people that color their fields. So, uh, I'm doing very well today. How are, how are you doing on this Juneteenth? I'm not doing too bad. I'm not, I'm not doing too bad at all. A little rainy here today. I think Seattle's sending over their rain this way. We've, it's been raining like four or five days this week. So, um, speaking of colored fields, Bo. Should we uh, talk about your uh, second favorite team, Boise State University? I think we might have to recut this. I think we might have to end this now because I'm just you're just on fire with the with the with the insults today. I'm just it's just it's just impressive to me. I just love it. Yeah, I've I've had to drive by that ugly field four or five times in the last couple months, and I hate it every time. It's disappointing. I, Very sad. I know. Very sad. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get into anything, thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forkstown Podcast. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. You know, you've you've helped us almost get to 3,000 listens so far in 46 episodes. We like what we're seeing. We appreciate it. Um, you know, and if you're a first-time listener, thanks for choosing Forkstown, and hopefully uh, you stick with us as we uh, continue to cover Mariners baseball and try to bring you the best Mariners baseball talk we can. Um, if you haven't already, go hit up our social media pages. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram by searching Forks Down Podcast. Um, you can also hit like and subscribe on your podcast listening apps. Get notified about new episodes. Maybe drop us a five stars. It'll help drive us up, get more visibility in our podcast. And um, you know, on Facebook and Instagram, if you want to shoot us messages to our uh, our accounts, and if you got questions that you want answered on air, or if you want to just talk to me or Bo hit up our messages, you know, we're, we're there, um, you know, to, to talk to fans. So, you know, anyways, got that out of the way, Bo. We actually have a Mariners note this week. Um, it's not a big one, but, um, maybe, uh, the trade deadlines getting started a little bit early with, uh, trader Jerry and Justin. Uh, I mean, potentially, you know, um, I wouldn't, you know, Keon Wong, moves to the white Sox, which i don't really know if we know what we've gotten back yet it sounds like it might just be cash um but uh yeah a very small trade um i don't know if keon wong's been added to the white Sox roster yet but uh yeah i think the note is that the white Sox have really had a hard time getting anything out of the second base position so i think this kind of makes sense um for them just to try something else a little different there, even though um, was it Zach Remillard had a really good, you know, at least a couple of first games and a couple other, you know, moments for the White Sox in this series. But anyways, you no know, Keon Wong moves. Um, and uh, yeah, we, I, we never even saw him really in a Mariner uniform. So, um, but uh, anyways, good for him. Hopefully he'll get an opportunity to, to play with the White Sox somewhere. Yeah. I, I, like you said, I think it's kind of the irony of trading him and, you know, they're looking for second base help. And then the guy that really, really killed us, um, you know, as they uh, came into Seattle on Saturday for the White Sox was Zach Remillard. He 
basically <laughs> basically was the spark that brought the White Sox back, and then they end up winning the game, which we'll get to. But um, you know, hopefully Keen Wong um gets some playing time with the major league club. Um he might see a chance. Uh, I don't know what happened to Tim Anderson. We're going to kind of touch on that too. But there's a reason Zach Remillard was uh, playing because Tim Anderson, who's kind of been a White Sox mainstay, um, he got hurt and it wasn't really announced what he got hurt with. So um, at least currently, you know, we're, we're shooting midday on Monday. You know, it could come out. He could go to the IL. But, um, you know, Keen Wong, best of luck. And, you know, Unfortunately, we couldn't fleece the White Sox like we fleeced the Giants last year with the uh, Donnie Walton for Perlander Baroa trade. So, yeah, and uh, yeah, you wonder, um, yeah, you wonder why. I mean, Keon Wong probably came on. I mean, there's probably some sort of connection to Colton. So you just kind of wonder if there's some writing on the wall that's happening with the Wong boys, but. Um, that's uh that's to be seen. So we'll see. Yep, yep. Let's get into the White Sox series, Bo, because I you know, we were talking before we started cutting the episode, and um for you know, the Mariners winning two one, it easily could have been a sweep for the Mariners, but it also at times could have went the other way and easily had been a sweep for the White Sox this weekend. Yeah, very um very mixed bag this weekend. You know, I think uh, we've been talking, right? Two of three is what we've really needed the last couple series. And we got that, right? We got that out of the Marlins series and we got that out of this one. Um, but yeah, could have been very well, you know, three losses in the series and very well could have been three wins. Um, you know, we left a lot of runners on base in this series and we still looked very rough. We still looked very rough, um, uh, especially in the game versus Lance Lynn. Um, so very mixed bag, but I think, you know, pitching kind of helped put the Mariners over top, I think this weekend. And, um, you know, that's been the strength of the Mariners for, for most of the season. So it's good to see it kind of coming back around to the pitching, helping us, I think, you know, keep where these leads are at and, you know, keep us in a position to win. So that's kind of my overall thoughts of, you know, I think the series as a whole. Yeah. And you, you touched on you know, us saying that the Mariners needed to win at least two or three in the last two series. And they did that. (laughs) Honestly, they probably should have almost went six and oh on this homestand. You score a run in the bottom of the 10th of Saturday's game. You're winning that ball game. You're five and one. And then if that home run, that grand slam goes out, you know, if it wasn't robbed at the, the fence, you know, and the Mariners are able to tie it up, you don't know what happens in that game. You know, it was a very, very winnable game from against the Marlins, you know, even though they only got four hits that day. So it's like, you know, it, it easily could have been a six and oh homestand. It just as well could have been an easy, you know, two and four or one and five homestand, you know, from from what we saw. Just it was a very, very mixed bag. You, you put that well. It was very mixed. And, and it was good to see the pitching come around, you know, Friday's game. We had a. Uh, pitching matchup of Kopesh versus Wu and Brian Wu looked that was the, his best outing in a Mariners uniform so far. Uh, definitely his best outing and looking all but the guy that was in double A this year, kind of dominating. And, um, you know, I think for the most part, had a lot of his pitches working for the most part. 
and um, I would say, you know, his pitch mix was, I think it was, he was pretty fastball heavy in his last start, if I remember correctly. And, you know, it was still pretty fastball heavy in this game, but, um, you know, mixing his two seamer and his slider a little bit better. I thought the slider was working pretty well for him. Um, and, uh, you know, when you, when you throw 19 swings and misses, 19 whiffs in a game, that's means you're still doing something right. And, uh, you know, he got all bit of that this game and, um, yeah, it just continues to, uh, I, I, like I said, Meredith, like we've always said, the Mariners have seemed to have, have a pipeline of developing great young pitchers and what we've seen out of Brian Wu in the last couple starts is just really encouraging. And I just kind of wonder where this is going to go with a lot of these guys. If we're just going to, um, you know, are we going to try to use them as potential trade options in the future? I think that might be on the table, but I think for right now it's, uh, it's just very good to see. And I think this game overall, the pitching really stuck out to me. Just, I think everything you wanted from a, from a, from a starter standpoint, moving to your bullpen and then, you know, closing it out at the end was, was the highlight for me anyways. Yeah. Uh, Brian Wu's day was, uh, five and two thirds innings. He gave up three hits, two runs, two earned, um, nine Ks did give up two single solo home runs. Um, but, uh, looked very good. No walks. I think that was the biggest thing that stuck out. He didn't walk anyone. Um, Matt Brash came in afterwards and ended up getting the win. Um, he went one and a third inning, had two hits given up, but K'd three people. Matt Brash is inching closer to a ERA below four, which is really good to see. He's, I would say his last four or five outings, he's looked really good. Um, Munoz comes in and just, Munoz has, has just closed the door on everything he's seen. Went in inning pitched, had two Ks. His ERA is still 0.00. Um, I am hoping I don't jinx that because um, I, I want to see him just dominate as he has so far this year. And then Seawald came in and got his 13th save of the season. Pitched an inning, um, had two Ks, didn't give up a hit, no walks, nothing. Um, so again, very, very good day by by. A, the pitching staff and honestly we we probably went a lot longer if uh he didn't give up those two solo home runs so um yeah moving on to offense um i i have to point this out in the notes bo you put on here right under woo you said the mariners can pit, commit noble tiger in the second i had never heard that but after he explained it to me i made sense what you were going with can you explain what Noble Tiger is? Sure. A Noble Tiger is uh, no outs, bases loaded, ending uh, with, with, you know, with team incapable of getting easy run. So um, more or less, you know, the Mariners racked up a number of, I think, hits coupled with walks and, you know, had the bases loaded. And uh, Mike Ford, Jose Caballero, and J.P. Crawford were unable to score any of those easy runs there. So that's what the Noble Tiger is. Yeah. And and that was kind of the precursor for the uh, for the series because, uh, uh, you know, we're going to go over every game left on base, but team runners in scoring position for the Mariners, two for 15 in game one. Left 11 people on base. That shouldn't have led to a victory with how bad that was. But Gino, Julio, Teo, and JP all had doubles. Teo had the the big home run to break the 2-2 tie. You know, he was responsible of uh, for two of the three um, runs. And 
I mean, honestly, what we, we've been talking up Taylor for the last couple weeks because since the start of June, it, really since the start of May, he's really turned it around after a, a terrible April. And he's he's becoming one of the best hitters on the Mariners right now. Yeah, Teoscar Hernandez is a good uh, is a good use case for like just just wait it out, right? Things are things are gonna get better. Um, like he's a good uh, use case, especially for Mariners fans under that uh, point there. But yeah, he's looking uh, he's just looking much better. Two eighty five, three thirty seven, four forty nine since May first. Um, the power starts to seemingly seemingly coming back. His hitting in good situations or in you know more higher leverage situations seems to be looking pretty good, and he's just becoming you know that four or five hitter that the Mariners have needed the whole entire season. So, um, you know, I think we could still wish we would get, would get more out of some of our other offseason acquisitions, but I think Teoscar Hernandez right now is filling the part of what we intended him to be. I don't know how you're feeling, right? But like, I feel like everything that we wanted Teoscar to be, he's kind of just being right now, right? We're getting that. We're still getting a decent amount of swing and miss, but we're certainly getting, um, you know, positive, um, positive, uh, you know, increases or positive um, attributions to this team from him. Yeah. Well, you know, he's still getting some of those swing and misses, but those are substantially down right now. Um, Friday's game, he went two for four, had a run, two RBIs, a home run, obviously. Didn't strike out at all. You know, I, I don't think there was a game in April where he didn't strike out. Now we are seeing games where, you know, he is not striking out. He's having better discipline at the plate. He's swinging at better pitches. Um, you know, trying to lay off stuff that's way outside and, and just looking every bit, the person we traded for, you know, if he keeps this up, it isn't out of the realm of possibility that he gets an extension before the end of the year. So we don't need to worry about him testing free agency. So. Yeah, I we'll see. We'll see how the team does. I don't know. The, the the free agent market's a little thin this year, so I think Teoscar may want to try to go get that bag. But yeah, that would be great if we could maybe hang on to him and not have to worry about a right fielder. But uh, yeah, we'll see how that kind of all plays out. Yeah. Think of this, Bo. We signed Teoscar to an extension, and then we signed Shoei in the offseason. A+. Plus. A+. Plus. We're, we're making the World Series next year. Are we going to go an episode without you saying, trying to, trying to sign Shohei Otani? Because like... I just, I just don't know. I just don't know. I just Bro, don't you know. gotta, you gotta not hate him so much. I know he shunned us once. He's not gonna shun the Mariners again. You know what? Just keep it up. Speak it into existence, and it'll eventually there come. We, How does that sound? There we go. Yep, that's like that's what we gotta yep. do. Speak it in. Uh, <clears throat> to wrap up this first game, uh, JP went one for four, had a run and a base on balls. Uh, J Rod two for five, one run. Uh, Ty France, two for four, one RBI, one K. Kelnick, one for two. Gino, one for three. Uh, basically, the top six in the lineup each had at least a hit. Uh, the bottom of the lineup didn't do as well. Cal, 0 for three. Ford, 0 for two. Pollock came in to print shit for uh, Ford, 0 for two. Caballero did get on base once, but was 0 for three. Did have a stolen base, which is his 11th stolen base. Mariners didn't strike out a lot in the first game. Eight Ks. I thought this was going to be a good series. We keep to to single digit K's and then Saturday and Sunday happens. So moving on to Saturday, you know, we'll get to Sunday in a second. Uh, a completely winnable ball game, you know, and I thought, you know, JP let off the game with a solid home run. He ripped it into right field. And I thought Mariners are going to turn it on again. And uh, it didn't happen. 
White Sox kept battling back. And then, like we said, Zach Rimmelard, who came in to replace uh, Timmy Jim Anderson, he uh, he kind of stole the show. Ended up getting a top snout card out of it, really. So, Oh, wow. Good for him. Good for him. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, no, Zach Rimmelard. Um, yeah, very random felt like, you know, coming in and um, doing all that. But, uh, yeah, no, I thought this was a good – I thought, yeah, with, with JP leading off and just the way that uh, Ty Francis continued to just um, – seemingly does just good things, but most of most every bat bat that he's at, right. you kind of thought maybe we're onto something a little bit here. And I think Tay Oscar had, I think two hits in this game as, as well, if I remember correctly, Correct. but, yeah. um, but yeah, was kind of a, was kind of a rough go of things. I would say, um, with leaving guys on base, I believe they tied their lead, their season tie with, I think it was 12 runners left on base in this game. If that's correct. Correct. Yep. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, just like I said, just the Mariners. If I was if I was to classify the Mariners this this year, it's a mixed bag of of highs and lows, and this game was uh, you know certainly another part of that. Yeah, two for fourteen with runners in scoring position, left on base twelve, and really no production from the bottom of the lineup. Um, JP Julio France and Teo accounted for all but two of the Mariners' hits. Um, Gino went one for four. Uh, with a base on balls, didn't strike out any. Um, and Caballero had a double, but um, felt like every time the Mariners, it almost felt like they were on cruise control. They get in front, and they would, you know, they'd have some lapses, and then the White Sox would come back and tie it up. And they ended up taking it into extra innings, where the Mariners just they couldn't score any runs in the tenth, and then they obviously couldn't score any runs in the eleventh. But I mean, it was completely winnable in the 10th, you know, um, Spire came in and closed the door on the White Sox in the 10th. Spire looked very good. I thought, um, didn't give up any hits, no walks, nothing. And, uh, this, it should have been one in the bottom of the 10th and they couldn't do that. Um, they kind of spoiled a, uh, I would say a, a, a fairly decent Gilbert start certainly wasn't, um, wasn't his best, but he went five and a third innings, uh, six hits, only gave up two runs, both of them earned. Did have three walks and three Ks, did give up a home run, but, you know, pitched pitched well enough that the Mariners stayed in the game and were ahead for most of the game. Yeah, and I think, uh, I think credit to the White Sox in this game. They kind of just, you know, the White Sox didn't really have a, a big inning at all, right? They just had single runs every other every other inning, it seemed like, so... I think credit to them for just kind of chipping away at it after the Mariners, yeah, had the hot start, like you said there. Um, but uh, yeah, the White Sox were hitting balls pretty hard in this game, and yeah, it kind of seemed like maybe it wasn't probably going to end up going the Mariners' way. Um, but uh, I think it's the Mariners. I think we are now. I believe it's is it four and six. I believe in extra inning games, so we're just having a hard time. I think closing out those, we're having a hard time closing out those extra inning games, kind of getting those. Um, you know, those Manfred runners over the plate there. Um, but on the Gilbert side of things, yeah, I thought Gilbert, um, Gilbert kind of mixed it up a little bit in this game. And I'm just wondering after his, you know, last bad start, if he just was trying to just do something different in this game. And he, I think threw more sliders than usual. I think he was up to 38% slider usage in this game. So just a little different from what we've expected Logan in the past. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, 
you know, walked three, struck out three. So, um, you know, I think did well enough in this game and, you know, try to, you know, prevented the White Sox from, I think, blowing it open. Like um, he's kind of had, you know, bad parts for this year of just those big bad innings. So that was so good to see. Um, but yeah, completely winnable game. I think, you know, the, the bullpen and the, um, <clears throat> the bullpen and the starters, I think did enough here to kind of help the Mariners get over the hump and we just couldn't, uh, couldn't capitalize on guys on base. And I feel like that's a common theme that we have. Yeah. I, I kind of want to go back. I don't know if you want to look this up, though. A lot of the extra inning games that the Mariners have had have been at home. And I feel like, you know, those are when we should be winning those extra inning games because, we get the last licks. You get out of the top of the inning. You got a Manfred runner on the bottom of the inning. All you got to do is bring him around to score. And I feel like that's just not happening at home. It really isn't. Let's see here. So the Mariners have had, we've had 10 games. We've played, so five of them at home and five of them at, five of them at home, five of them on the road. The Mariners have lost three of them um, at home. So we're two and three at those extra inning games at home. So. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the losses should stick with me a little bit more than the wins have, but just felt just feels like we do a lot better on the road in extra inning games. But um, not much else from this game. Um, Brash, Topa, and Munoz all had holds. Topa, I think, leads the team in holds right now. He got his twelfth on Saturday. He ended up getting his thirteenth on Sunday. So Topa, you know, pitching well, you know, coming in and and. You know, not giving up runs and, and keeping the Mariners in the ball game. Um, again, Brash looks very good. Um, inching closer. I don't think it's under four yet, but I think he's at a 4.08 ERA right now. So uh, after his next couple uh, pitch outings, he should probably be under a four and well on his way to, a, a you know, a better season overall. Um, Seawald with his second blown save and... Yeah, that's about it from Saturday. Um, you know, I didn't have high hopes going into Sunday. And honestly, it was very, very touch and go on Sunday, especially with uh, old Lance Lynn with his six ERA coming out and looking like an all-star. What was it? 16 Ks that he had against the Mariners. It was it was like fourth all-time against the Mariners for opposing pitchers. Fourth all-time. Uh, yeah, th- I, I've, so th- swings and misses, right? Uh, I don't remember the last time. So if, like, if you go into baseball savant and swings and misses are right there, I don't remember the last time I saw something with double digits start with a three in front, but the Mariners swung and missed 33 times against Lance Lynn in this game, Holy 33 God. times. <laughs> like I just, that's that I, I don't even know how to quantify that. And this, it, it, like it's so bad. Like if you go to the box score and you're just looking at like the Mariners, I think Lance Lynn struck out at least like two Mariners in every inning that he pitched besides, I think maybe his last, but yeah, it's just every time the Mariners come up, there's like strikeouts upon strikeouts upon strikeouts. It's like, I've just never seen, (laughs) we just did not have it on this day. We just didn't have it. But, uh, the, the surprising part (laughs) is just, it's just hilarious to me that we won this game. I guess that's, I don't know. Like we didn't really get a whole lot of hits and we were still able to muster like five runs. And that's the, that's just the, 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 the surprising part to me in this game is just how bad we were. And we still ended up winning it. I, I don't know how many t- times I saw on different Reddit posts, Facebook posts, stuff like that, where people are going, Lance Lynn struck out 16 Mariners, yet they're not winning. Baseball is weird. Like just baseball is weird. And it's weird like that. Cause the Mariners 
had a very good pitching performance of their own. You know, Bryce Miller came in, gave seven innings, four hits, only gave up one run, one earned, um, had six Ks. Like I said, Topa came in, had his 13th hold, pitched an inning, didn't give up a hit, had one K. And Ty Attic um, came in and gave it up two hits in one inning, but ended up getting out of it. So, like, <laughs> you know, like, not a lot of hits for both teams, but the Mariners were able to plate some runs. You know, I think what their saving grace was, they had one, two, three, four, uh, four base on balls, and that probably was the difference in a, in a win or loss for the Mariners. So, and there was, if I'm looking at my stats correct, there was not a walk given up by the Mariners. So, um, I, are you looking at the, the box score right now, Bo? I am, yep. Uh, who was the only Mariner not to strike out? Because the Mariners overall had 18 strikeouts in the game. Uh, big Dumpa. Big dumper, Cal Raleigh went two for three. Only only Mariner to have a multi-hit game. Um, this game um, again just did enough. <laughs> two swings of the bat. Kelnick had a uh, RBI three-run RBI triple in the eighth inning, and Julio. Uh, I don't remember when he had his two-bagger, but it was a two-run. That was enough to win the ball game. So. Yeah, no, I, I mean, uh, I think maybe one of the things coming into the game was just try to get to the White Sox bullpen. The White Sox don't have a really good one, and I mm-hmm. believe that uh, Kelnick hit that off. Uh, was it Reynaldo? Mm-hmm. Um, so we were able to do that. Um, I'm surprised they just didn't keep Lance Lynn out there, just given how much he was dominating. But he and I think Lance Lynn ended up throwing like 115 pitches, so they really tried to get his money's worth for him. So, um, but yeah, as soon as we got to the bullpen, you know, we were able to score a couple more runs. So, um, <clears throat> you know, maybe we could have done that in the last couple of games before that, but I guess the game previous to that, but, uh, yeah, no, just, it's, uh, I feel like these are games that the Mariners just don't win. Like that's the surprise. Like when we're, when we're our swings and misses are in the twenties or so, it just seems like we're, we're just kind of done, but yeah, this just, this just shows that it doesn't take, it doesn't take too much, right? Just like a couple singles here and get a timely hit and like, you know, you're going to score five runs and, uh, you know, wish we would see more of that from the Mariners. I guess that's, you know, my hope, but, uh, anyways, you know, I'm okay with all the strikeouts. I don't know how you feel about it. Right. It's embarrassing to, I think get struck out, struck out by 16 times by Lance Lynn, but Hey, if we score five runs and we win a baseball game and win the series, I mean, I'll take it. What's more embarrassing though. Um, the Mariners striking out 16 times against a pitcher who's got a ERA over six right now, or a White Sox offense that couldn't muster enough runs to give Lance Lynn a win. Like, yeah. I feel that's a little bit more embarrassing. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, it, if you also go to like the, all the balls that were hit in this game, the White Sox, like their exit velocities, their hard hit percentages dwarf the Mariners, right? Like it's, it's like the Mariners have the, those two hits, the Kelnick and the Julio double and the triple were the Mariners hardest hit balls of the day. And the next, I want to say like 20 hits or the next other like 18 hits in the top 20 are all white Sox. So like it might be the white Sox. You might be right with that one. Just like they couldn't, they couldn't muster and get it over the, over the hump at all today on the Sunday game. So yeah, good point. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it could have <laughs> said at the start, this, uh, this could have been either way. Could have been a 3-0 sweep for the Mariners. It could have been a 3-0 sweep with the White Sox with what we saw. Um, you know, you said, <clears throat> excuse me, you said the bullpen um, was probably your favorite part of the series. 
I feel like my favorite part of the series was, um, you know, it's going to sound weird because the Mariners hitting didn't do great, but um, their goal was to get to the bullpen and they did really well against uh, Giolito and Kopesh getting to the bullpen. You know, each of those guys had 80, 90 pitches going into the fifth, which, you know, should have led to a win on Saturday, but led to a win on Friday. So, um, you know, good on the Mariners for seeing the pitches a little bit better, um, you know, being more disciplined. Obviously, that went all out the window on Sunday with Lance Lynn, but hey, they won. So <laughs> let's look at the positives, not the negatives there. So um, overall, good homestand for the Mariners, and they're going into a very, very big road trip. You know, first stop against the Yankees. Second stop against Baltimore. Do they see the Rays in Tampa after that, or they did they come home to play the Rays? I can't remember. Um, I have to pull it up here. I think we come. I think we play. I think we have a little bit of break. I think we play the the Nationals, and then I think we pick oh. it, then I think we pick it back up against the Rays after that. So, so, yeah, yeah. But very very big um, series coming up nonetheless. And uh, you know we we said two or three will win you a series and it'll get you back in. And that's what they did on this homestand went four and two against the Marlins and white Sox. Um, you know, they're, they seem to be playing better baseball. We got Teo coming around Julio's still a mixed bag. He, you know, I, I think he had a hit in every ball game this, uh, this series, but you know, still is kind of sitting about two forty batting average. Um, and, and pitching seemingly coming around a little bit better, but, um, you know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to start sweeping some of these series because, uh, you know, we got teams like the angels seven and three over the last 10 We're we're very fortunate that, uh, over the last 10 that the Rangers and Houston have, uh, been under 500, but, uh, God, I don't like to see the angels seven and three. In the last ten games, the angel, some, uh, yeah, the angels, man, it's um, they've got a they got a positive run differential right now, and um, they're playing a little bit of a little better baseball, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be a tough go of things, right? The the Astros, um, you know, coupled with uh, some of the pitching industries injuries that they've had, but they're also without Gordon right now, so they're really not at a hundred percent either, so. Um, yeah, we just, we just got to start playing. We got to start at least hoping to sweep one of these two of these series. And then, you know, at minimum, you know, getting at least, uh, you know, two or three from both of the, both the Yankees and the Orioles would be preferable. Right. But it's going to be, yeah. uh, it's going to be a tough thing to do. It'll be a real tough thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, we, the angels are seven and three over the last 10. They playoff odds have doubled since the start of the month. Um, Mariners odds are sitting about 24%. Um, you know, I like a good underdog story, but, uh, at least, at least the percentage to make the playoffs is not zero right now, but we're still in the thick of things. We're still right there. Yeah. We're still right there. I think, you know, I think our mood changes. I don't know how your mood changes week to week on this, but, uh, yeah. And I mean, we're getting to, a we're getting to a, an odd point of where we're obviously entering the end of June where, you know, how many games through the season now, um, you know, 70 games through the season, we're coming up on that kind of the halfway mark sooner rather than later. And I feel like we're kind of just, 
kind of in the middle, right? Of like, I wonder what we're going to do. I wonder what kind of Jerry and team have planned. And uh, yeah, I don't know how you're feeling. I'm probably feeling a little bit better after these two series. But um, like you said, right? It's not like we really, I think, dominated in this these series, right? So it's difficult to see, you know, are we going to go on that hot winning streak like we did last year? All right. Um, but uh, yeah, I think these series are we're not going to, you know, definitively know where we're sitting at kind of after these series. Right. And there's always a chance we come back, but um, you know, these two series against two teams that are going to be in the wild card hunt, supposedly against us. Right. are just vitally important. Nope. Yep. This Mar this Mariners Yankee series is going to be a big one. Um, Yankees blew the Mariners out in Seattle. So now we're heading back to New York to try to get some uh, retribution and uh, you know, We've got some good pitching matchups coming up. Um, last time that Mariners uh, played the Yankees in Seattle, we didn't see Garrett Cole, and the Mariners have Garrett Cole. Game one, it's going to be George Kirby versus uh, Garrett Cole. Game two is going to be LaPedra, Luis Castillo versus Randy Velasquez. Um, I don't think we saw him in Seattle. And then game three is going to be Brian Wu versus Domingo Herman. Old sticky stuff against uh, up-and-coming Brian Wu. Um, we did see Herman on in Seattle, um, but it it's a it's a winnable series for the fact that the Mariners or the Mariners will not be seeing Aaron Judge this series, most likely. Uh, yeah, winnable series, and you know the pitching has looking like it's just kind of maybe reverted back to its you know solid self, so. Uh, certainly I think the, I think the Kirby versus Cole game and, you know, Kirby being in New York and all that is going to be uh it's going to be an exciting first game. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, with the, with the onset of how good Brian Wu's been, um, just, uh, you kind of just feel like the pitching is always going to give you a chance to win. So, you know, at the end of the day, it just comes to how many of those guys do we get on base and how many of them do we end up scoring and are we going to get the timely hit that we want? And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, like we said, but there's like these parts of this jigsaw puzzle and like, hopefully they all kind of fit together at one point. Hopefully we can get Tay Oscar going with Ty France while also going together with Jared and, uh, Julio. So maybe this is a series that happens, but, uh, I don't know. We'll see. I was also going to ask, you know, how are you feeling about, kind of maybe throw this at you right like where are you what's your kind of temperature level on kelnick at this point this point in the series after um what's been maybe a little bit of a slower things over the last you know week or two how are you how are you feeling about mr jared um <clears throat> i think this has been the term of the day mixed bag uh, there's definitely some good we're seeing from him but you could tell he's getting a little bit more angry uh, especially with some of his strikeouts. Um, you know, big thing I said last season was you got to swing the bat. And uh, he's drawing some walks, but there's also times where he's not swinging it, you know, not swinging it at all when the pitch is very hittable and striking out, you know, caught looking on strike three. So um, he, he's definitely cooled off a little bit. Um, like I said last episode, I don't think, he makes the all-star team even after his hot uh, April. Um, but I, I still think we're seeing some good stuff. Um, the hit obviously on Sunday was probably a big morale boost for him. Um, getting a triple and, and basically putting the Mariners ahead 
enough to win that ball game, which was nice. Um, it's kind of interesting to see some of the things Scott does because he has been sitting Kelnick a little bit more. You know, you're seeing him get a day off. I think it's averaging about once a week at this point. But uh, he also pinch hit for him in Saturday's game. Um, I don't know if Scott's got a kind of a lack of confidence, but he pinch hit Cal Raleigh, which didn't make any sense to me. Um, you know, I, I think you want to try to get some confidence back with uh, with Jared, and you know, pinch hitting him wasn't isn't the way to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're taking him out of a big spot in the game, so um, definitely cooled off a little bit on Kelnick, but um, we still have a big second half of the season and Jared could play a very big part in what happens, you know, the rest of the season. Yeah, no, agreed. Agreed. And, uh, I still think it's the steps that he's taken from where he was last year and everybody being so far down on him. Right. Even I feel like what we're getting out of him now, which is kind of just a average baseball player over the last couple of weeks is still, uh, you know, obviously what we want, we want to see more. We want to see April Jared all the time, but um, mm-hmm. I think we're still getting, you know, useful out of him, right? We're still getting use out of him, which is, you know, I think a positive he's contributing to this team. He's, you know, doing it in a way that's helping us win every once in a while. So I think there's still positives that are going along with even, you know, some of the, the strikeout struggles and some of the other things that he's had. So I've been happy with, you know, him, I think over the season overall, because I just think that, Maybe my expectations for him coming in were a little bit lower, so I've been pleasantly happy with him thus far. You know, even though the, even though we wish we might see you know more, but uh, I've been happy with him thus far. You know, maybe cut back on the strikeouts, maybe wait a little bit more on the changeup, but um, yeah, it's kind of the way I'm feeling. I'm I'm gonna pick him to have a big series in New York this this series. Like, if I don't pick one person, um, it would be him because you're going to New York and they play with a right field that's like a little league wall. <laughs> You've, you're, you can drive the ball not that hard and hit it out in that right field porch of Yankee Stadium. So um, I'm just going to predict, and I'll probably end up backfiring and he won't get a hit this series, but I'm going to predict at least two home runs for, for Jared this series against New York. Ooh, all right. Let's write, let's write it down. Let's write it down. Write it down. Write um, it down so you can mock me on uh, on Friday's episode. Oh, gladly, 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 gladly we'll do that. Yeah. Um. No. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. No. Uh. Yeah. Big series ahead. Um. Yeah. Hoping the. Hoping we get some good out of it, and you know, keep some uh, keep some momentum going because I think we just have to. Got to end the month. Got to end the month strong, and it's uh, <clears throat> coming up quick before the All Star break. So, um, nope. got to end it strong. Yep. Um, before we get to prospect corner, my favorite part of the show, um, I just want to say uh, to the fans out there, we were going to have our friend, good friend of the show, Cody Esman on. Uh, our schedules just didn't line up this week, and uh, you know he's got some uh, family things that he's attending to, so. Um, we plan to have Cody on around the all-star break because all three of us, me, Bo and Cody will be together in Seattle for the all-star break. So, um, you know, I don't know if there's any fans out there that, you know, like Cody's insight or want to hear him kind of razzing Bo into, um, getting a little angry on the podcast. It's going to happen. It's just going to happen. 
a little bit later, um, you know, for the all-star break, you know, we're going to have some fun shows around that time. So just wanted to say that just because last episode I said he was going to be on. So anyways, Bo, let's get hit with prospect corner. Who do you got this week? Uh, first off, I have never been razzed by Cody Espen. So that's, that's blasphemous. Don't, don't you dare say that ever again. Um, today <laughs> we've got, um, so I thought we'd do a little, something a little different today. I think a lot of the prospects we talk about are kind of guys you hear over and over again. Um, but we're kind of mixing it up today. We're going to go with the DSL, um, player that's, uh, had two very good starts to start off his, uh, you know, minor league career. And it's Jeter Martinez and Jeter Martinez was, um, <clears throat> was signed in this kind of international signing period with Felon and Celestine. Um, and really kind of picked him because, you know, if you're going to go to Mariners, minor league statistics, um, kind of over the last couple of games, he's looked really, really good. So, um, you know, over his last two DSL starts, um, he went six innings in his last start, eight strikeouts, no walks. He went forward his previous start before that with five strikeouts and only one walk. Um, you know, I think the things to keep in mind with him is that he is 17 years old. Um, he's out of Mexico. So, um, and I think the big thing with him is that he's kind of been a transfer product to pitching. Like he's been, um, you know, he never really was like a pitcher and he's kind of getting into the field now. So, I kind of like always like those guys because those guys like as soon as they find something that fits for them, maybe it was just pitching for him. He can really kind of jump up prospects, prospects, like, you know, prospect status. So something to really keep in mind with him, just that he's, you know, learning to pitch. He's got a good fastball, this curveball and the changeup, I think are coming along, right? He's 17 years old. So you wouldn't anticipate those to be dominant pitches thus far, but um, super encouraging from what you've seen so far in the DSL. Um, you know, the walks, the, the low walk numbers are very encouraging, right? Especially given his age, but, um, you know, 17 years old, probably going to be in the DSL all this year would go to the, maybe the complex league. Um, you know, you're not going to see him probably for quite a while, but, uh, regardless, um, velocity is at, you know, low nineties right now. And coupled with his ability to have some command, it seems like, you know, this could be somebody that I think jumps up prospect lists. Maybe by the end of this year, you could probably be seeing him. You know, you'll see him in the Mariners, probably in the Mariners' top thirty. I think early next year, with a big chance to kind of take a big jump. I think maybe late to next year. So, Jeter Martinez is a prospect to watch. Was do you think he was named after um, his two favorite players, Derek Jeter and Edgar Martinez? Um, you know, I don't really know if he has much choice over the last name, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, um. It's a pretty common thing, right? Jeter Downs was a prospect for the Red Sox a couple of years ago. Um, so, yeah, probably most likely named for, for Derek Jeter in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. I, I have a very, very big hatred for Derek Jeter, so that is very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. Well, he chose the Mariners, so hopefully that gives I, you some comfort there. So there you go. That's that's good. That's good. Hopefully your sister Tara's not watching or listening, you know, so... Uh, she doesn't have to hear me slander her favorite Derek Jeter. Well, so you know, Derek Jeter's, you know, people's people's minds have been changed on Derek Jeter over the last couple of couple of years. Let's just put it that way. So, anyways, anyways, yeah. <laughs> All right, this is the point where we end the show. But guess what, Bo? I've got a little trivia question for you because we haven't done trivia in a while. Okay, bring it. Uh, 
um, just because I heard it on the Mariners podcast, and or not the Mariners podcast, the Mariners broadcast, and I, I'm sure you're going to get this very easily. Lance Lynn had 16 strikeouts on Sunday, which was fourth all time against the Mariners. Who is number one on that list in a single game in strikeouts against the Mariners? And what year did he do it in? Oh, number one against the Mariners. Um, oh, that's a, that's a good question. I don't know off the top of my head. I want to go. Um, I don't think this is right, but I was going to say Philip Umber in like 2012 <laughs> or 2011 when he ever had that perfect game, but I don't think that's right. I- I think Cody would love you for that, for name dropping a a former White Sox player. But no, it was not. I'll give you a little bit of a hint, a little bit of a time frame. It was before the 1992 season, but I'm not going to tell you how far back before the 1992 season. Hmm. And I'll give you one more hint. If I remember correctly, it happened in an AL East ballpark. Hmm, you've stumped me. I don't know. The correct answer is Roger Clemens in 1986. Ah, that's right. I'm pretty sure he had the big old 2-0 20Ks in one game against the Mariners at Fenway Park. If I remember correctly, like, I was only half listening to the broadcast at that point, so (laughs) it might, might be a little skewed. Hey, if there's a fan out there that wants to call me out on it, call me out on it. I'd love it. So... But anyways, Bo, do you have anything else before we get out of here? Uh, I think that's it for me. All, all good. Good, good, good. For all our listeners in the Puget Sound, Pacific Northwest, and beyond, thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forks Down Podcast. For Bo Chisholm, I'm Rick Clark, and we'll see you guys on Friday. <laughs>